The Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Motor Bunny, the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator that offers fabulous creative sexual experiences. We use it and it rotates, it vibrates, and it delivers mind-blowing orgasms. Enjoy Motor Bunny as your favorite sex toy. When you order the Motor Bunny, multiple attachments are included along with the link controller, which allows wireless control from anywhere. Motor Bunny is the world's most powerful saddle-style vibrator on earth. Use the link in the show notes and spice up your sex life with a Motor Bunny. You're listening to Kinky Cocktail Hour a conversation between adults about sex-forward relationships, kinky lifestyles, and frank communication. If you're under 18, please stop listening and visit scarletteen.com. I'm Lady Petra, and my pronouns are she, hers, and we. I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we. And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers! Cheers. So, if you listen carefully to this conversation, you can tell two things about us. One, we live in a cold climate. Yes. And two, we must be podcasting in winter. Yeah. Because we can hear the fire crackling. Yeah, but it's spring. But it's spring. (laughs) (laughs) I know. All right, well, what are we drinking tonight? We, well, it's TGIF. TGIF. So TGIF. for sure, we're having a martini. Yeah. And for those new to my martinis, which are perfect, eight parts of Tangeray London Dry, one part of Dolan Dry Vermouth, six shakes of orange bitters, um, stirred 100 turns in a mixing tin with ice, strained into two cold martini glasses, then get a, a orange garnish peel and express the oils over the top of the martini and then cut it into your twist and make your twists and stick it in the glass. And then you have a perfect martini. And then you have a perfect martini. And this is tested. We we literally have discovered this as the best out of 700 cocktails. Yeah. That's what we think. For sure. For sure. Cheers. Cheers. Orange. It always is surprising to me that you say this is going to be a perfect martini, and then you bring it to your nose, you get the orange aroma, and then the expectations go up, you take a sip, and you realize that's a perfect martini, just in the first sip. It is. It's just how and it I goes, I think right? I'm really getting the Dolan down right. I yeah. go right to the line at one part. A tiny little bit. Extra. And I just do a tiny bit over it. It's almost like when you look at wine and you say, this wine has a silver sheen you know that edge that's like that yeah it's like that's how much i'm pouring over yeah but it is just enough to get rid of the harsh part of the gin right i think you know that's what dolan does is smooths out that gin it does yeah it's good it's great Mm. we want to just give a nod to trans visibility day yes why just a day why not trans visibility all year round? why not a month everybody else gets a month we see you guys and girls we see you we see you Kinky Cocktail Hour is brought to you by Slub USA, the world's strongest, most powerful male masturbator. Visit Slub USA at slub, S-L-U-B-B dash USA.com. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, 
a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at WeMinder.app. The Concern of the Littleton, Chapter 9 by Michael Allen. This is a chapter called Grope Hugs. Yes. And it's interesting because, you know, if the title of the chapter is Grope Hugs, it's a play on the word group, right? Mm-hmm. So it immediately implies like a non-consent, because grope uh, is a non-consent word. Grope is a non-consent word. Right? And so that's what it implies. But you don't really get the world of that before you get into the scene, which right. is four of the characters, Sarah, David, Aiden, and Aiden, and initially, Wallace. And, well, Sarah, David, and Aiden initially, yeah. like hanging out, partying, sort of being kid-like. They're just kind coloring of... Coloring books. They're coloring books. They're doing, well, they're doing like little stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I found that really interesting because, like, for me, it's not acting little, right? It's being little. Being is different. Yeah. Like, I could say from time to time, because this is why they make them adult coloring books. I know friends of mine as well as myself. I've doodled, right? Yeah. But I wouldn't say at any point when I'm doodling, I feel like a little kid or I want to be a little kid or I want to switch to stickers and crayons. And I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying I don't ever equate it to that. I equate it to creativity, stress relieving, those kind of things. I think this is different. No, it's very different. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's very different. So I don't, yeah. I'm trying to discern between people that do things that are similar, yeah. but not this. This is very specific. For me, this first part of the chapter and the way the chapter evolves, mm-hmm. it explores the beingness of being a little. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, I think Megan's nailed that. So they get through sort of coloring and they're watching, they, they choose to put on a kid's movie and they watch Grommet. the movie. Yeah. There was a moment where the doorbell rings yeah. and Aiden jumps up and they sort of tease him about jumping up and he goes, well, I like to push the button. And you see, that's Very another instance thing. of being little. It's like, it's like, like when I was a little kid and I got in the elevator, I wanted to push the button. Yes. You know? So you can identify. So I get that. I get yeah, the world yeah. of that. Anyway, the chapter progresses and they're sort of cuddling and they're all of a sudden somebody recognizes that David's diaper needs to be changed. And so they head off to the bedroom to change his diaper. All of them. Yeah. And they're all going to do it. So you've got Sarah, who's not really this person, but she's sort of looking in. Mm-hmm. And they start to change his diaper. And while. The diaper is removed. It's clear that he has an erection and he pulls off. They pull the diaper off. And while Sarah or somebody or maybe Aiden goes to get a diaper, Wallace sucks his cock. Yes. And there's like a this little moment of tension there. With Aiden. Mostly with Aiden. Sarah's a little bit surprised. Oh, David doesn't seem David doesn't seem at all, at all. upset about it, right? <laughs> David is enjoying it, and Wallace isn't upset. Sarah's well, noticing Aiden's uncomfortableness. I think that's right, yeah. And pretty quickly after that, Aiden goes, well, I've got to go study. So he, like, pulls out of the deal. Yeah, because he's feeling uncomfortable. He's a little hurt that it wasn't him sucking David's car. Well, I don't know if yeah. he would have gone there even, because he did, it, it, you know, when he they pulled the have. diaper off, it was right there, very right. obvious. Yeah. If he was really excited about it, he would have gone and jumped at it, right? But that's exactly what Wallace did. So right. Aiden's feeling torn, like where does he fit? He's trying to figure that out. 
and he leaves in a hurry. And Sarah leaves with him. And Sarah finds that as an opportunity to leave too, because it obviously looks like Wallace and David need time alone. Right. Now, before that happens, there's a moment where Sarah's sharing her self-discovery as a masochist and a lesbian lesbian in the context of a camp that she went to. So she goes off to this camp and she's a camp counselor and there's a camp nurse at the camp that I think her name is Priscilla and she treats her like a sadist, treats a masochist submissive. Yeah. That doesn't have to include sex. No. It's literally just the fetish of power. Yeah. So the, the specific incident is that Sarah hits a nail and has to get a tetanus shot. and She rips her arm up with this nail pretty badly. And she goes for this thing. And then the nurse, the way that she interacts with her. Not the nurse, the the camp physician. I think she was a nurse. Yeah, but she was in charge of all the medical. That's right. Took care of her and stitched her and all that stuff. Well, the way she stitched her made Sarah experience the sexuality of pain. Yes. She goes through this process and she actually has an orgasm to being stitched by As the, with every stitch with every stitch right so she gushes on the so she squirts so she gushes on the changing table and the nurse has slapped her face and slapped her tits and examines her all over like all the stuff that puts the nurse in a very sadistic dominant space and Sarah in a very submissive massacre space right right and Sarah is like so turned on she's excited to go see her again yeah but then when she goes to see her and then presumptively takes off her shirt yeah, just, and, just, just and displays herself saying i was just trying to make it easier so you could suck my tits or flap slap my tits right and suck yeah. them she yeah. said the nurse is like put off by this well as a sailor she just goes fuck you i'm not going to do that because it's not but that's the interesting thing yeah it's not sexualized at least at this point it's not sexualized not for the nurse no. right Priscilla. And so she's Priscilla's like about punishment. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And so she not only does she not attend Do to her sexually at the moment. She asks why she's like that. Yeah. But she actually doesn't interact with her again for the whole camp. So she's Ever. left. Yeah. So she's left with this like open-ended longing, open-ended longing, right? There's, we should think about it as a sadist who yeah. likes emotional anguish. Yeah. This is like ongoing. If you really, as a sadist, can commit to not ever contacting again, yeah. you know you have affected that person for a life. Forever, right. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing. It's like she's incomplete with her. Yeah. And so she's still talking about it years later. Because it's right? still in backfall. Right. That's exactly what a sadist wants. Exactly. Uh, it's a, so perfect. It really is. So they end up, Sarah and Aiden are walking home, and they go... To the point where they're going to veer past. They go, yeah, they're going to they're going to veer past. But Sarah gets kind of like a sense of like I want to do something about this. She so gets she insistent. Invites, yeah, and demands that Aiden go home with kind her. of admit like what the difference is between what Wallace wanted to stay and do versus what he is, and he really was indifferent. He couldn't answer yeah her questions, and so she said, "Give me your backpack." She searches his backpack and sees that he has all the things for changing in his backpack. And she says, well, then you're coming home with me. There's no excuse now. Right. Because she's really demanding to be expressed as a caregiver dominant. Right. She really wants to explore that. Right. And with Aiden, someone she cares about, 
it seems like a perfect proposal. Yeah. So that gets at two really interesting things. Yeah. So for you and I, sexuality is an exploration and a discovery of self-expression. Totally. Right. And see, this is a moment where Sarah is taking that on. She's actually diving into something that she's unfamiliar with. Yep. With somebody she cares for, but doesn't, she's never really had this experience. Yeah, may not be even sexualized with. Right, she's being open sexually Mm -hmm. to it. So I thought that was really interesting because, you know, Makers made this point through the book ongoingly in lots of different ways that sexuality is very personal. And it's it's really an inquiry ongoingly to discover what turns you on. Sexuality does not always mean, and we've said this before, rubbing naughty parts to orgasm. No. It might be for one party in the group. It might be for no parties in the group. It might be for both parties. But expressing yourself sexually can mean many different things. And part of sexuality is power control. Well, I think that's that's really the issue, right? Because what transpires is Sarah brings her little into her bedroom. Aiden. Aiden, right, into her bedroom. And seduces him with her wonderful big California king. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, yeah. But she ends up basically like caring for him and taking care of him. And And feels a need for her. It really does, right? So there's a lot going on in this chapter. And never once has it been written anything in the chapter, and I'm just you know, extrapolating from what Mako wrote is that Sarah is necessarily attracted to Aiden. No, she's gay. She's gay. She said that, but, but she could be open. Right. But there is one part in the chapter that someone might come back at me and say, well, she had erect nipples. Well, let's be honest. I get erect nipples for all kinds of things. It doesn't mean I'm going to have sex with whatever's giving me erect nipples. I mean, really, if my dog is really excited and I get excited with my dog, I might get erect nipples, but I'm not thinking I'm going to fuck my dog. Right? <laughs> at any slightest. So you're not into bestiality at all? No. Okay. I don't think nipple erection is any any way similar to penis erection. No, it's not. No, not. But however, however, nipple erection aside, she's a stated lesbian. She's with a young man who's a little in a diaper and she finds an opportunity to provide a caregiving care and punishment well a caregiving kind of context that may involve dominance and submission like you say with punishment and maybe sadism maybe but to actually take care of aiden and and she does and she does but like you point out she's a little bit sadistic she grabs the tip of his penis and squeezes it really hard and Gives him some direction. Yeah, and then she ends up finger-fucking him. So she likes the control. What Some of the things that are interesting in this, and I get this is what happens with average people having any interaction sexually. Yeah. A lot of times, I hate to say this, there is no consent. So mm. she's doing things that they haven't had a conversation or agreement about yet. Important point. And I do want to speak to that because even though it's assumed by because parties choose to be there, particularly at this age when their brains haven't developed, people will stay in positions like this Mm. to look good because they don't want to they don't want to look bad. No, that's right. Right? Well, I mean you raise a really good point. We've had an evolving conversation around consent as a culture that's gotten more minute in the detail like it's gotten more 
granular over time. There's a college, I think it's, um, what's the women's college on the East Coast that Hillary Clinton went to? Wesley? That's like Wesley College. I think I read this about that. I may be wrong, but you have to actually get consent for every physical interaction. Mm. So I want to kiss you. Is that okay? I want to touch your breast. Is that okay? I want to touch your pussy. Is that okay? Mm. And you see, like, that's like the ultimate element of communicating well consent. and people may not like that during sex but the whole point of the but reason at least kink, the first time right? wait a minute yeah. but the reason kink works so great yeah is because before we have sex we have a meeting that isn't going to have sex right after right like exactly. we actually have a meeting ahead of time so that we can all marinate on what we learned and we can say what do you like what do you not like what are your limits yeah. what you're not where are your agreements and then within that context, the agreements are set. So the next time you decide to meet and choose to play, your mm-hmm. parameters are set. Exactly. And that's what people complain about. It's like, I couldn't possibly say every single moment, yes, you can touch my breast. But the point is, if you're an adult and responsible to whoever you're playing with, whether it's a long-term partner or a one night off. Yeah. I think there's no such thing really as hookups, one night hookups. If you're a true kinkster, what it should be is I meet you for a cocktail, we get excited, and we continue the foreplay sexting until we actually play. Yeah, we get that consent. could be the next day. That could be, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's I agree, and I and I feel like you know one of the things that needs to be attended to is that ultimately everybody has consent when they're there and they get to remove their consent. They get You're to right. Say, they get to say no, to but say I no. really think if people do what kinksters do often is consent up front, I would suggest to kinksters, even in role play, seriously, even in dungeons, maybe you aren't able to play with that dominant that night right. because you were so turned on. Right. But if you're able to make agreements, I think marinating on context of agreements overnight when you've had time to sleep on it and the next day you wake up and say is this what i really want to do if it is fuck go for it it's great but i think often people do not do that they go off of instinctual hormonal releases in their body which i just don't think it offers you true consent because reflection is part of consent you have to be able to reflect on what's being said to you and if you're a submissive being told by a dominant certain things in a quick fire, because you're a, a natural born pleaser, is it really true that you can give consent? Really, truly give consent without having moment. a pause where right. the dominant's not around and you get to think to yourself, does this really work for me? Or are you being driven by only the hormones of the urges? I get it. Yeah. But that's what gets most people into problems. I guess you're right. Fascinating chapter, really actually quite a long chapter by the book standards. Yeah. And one of the things you and I sort of were present to as we were talking through the book was the complete intoxication of dominance and submission, mm-hmm. but it, but delivered in the context of a baby diaper changing mm-hmm. sort of circumstance, right. right? Right. And it just occurs to me that, you know, as a person who existed as a dominant but discovered their submission with mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. that I get the complete experience of intoxication that comes <laughs> when you literally submit to a powerful woman. Like I totally right. get that. Right. And I obviously get it because yeah. I have lived that life. And what's been fascinating about 
being with you is that I've lived that life um, along the common thread of traditional society, right? And then what I've dove in with you is living that life as a true expression of who I am as a submissive. And then also recently who I am as a dominant for you. Right. And it's super powerful. So I, there's a whole thread moving through here that I can, Oh, that's punishment. Oh, that's dominance. That's power. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, Aiden gets his diaper changed. By Sarah. By Sarah. And there's this very overt experience of dominance delivered in the realm of caretaker mm-hmm. by Sarah. Yeah, she and owns his part. She basically. completely owns it. And Aiden's complete submission as a submissive, but not just as a submissive, but as a ABDL kind of submissive. Right, right. And there's a real relationship that occurs. And I think something's really interesting about this is that Sarah has stated that she's gay. She's not stating that she's bisexual or bicurious or she's a non-binary person. Mm-hmm. Like she's not talking about any of that, right? What mm-hmm. she's talking, what she stated was her sexuality lives in the world of being gay. But then she has a very completely sexual experience with Aiden where she finger fucks him mm-hmm. and watches him like have a climax, right? Right. So I just thought the whole thing was very interesting because there's a lot of non-binary experiences happening in this chapter where the gay guy is not really getting to have sex with his preferred partner, but is having sex with a gay woman who... But this know, is where I very, get to. And when people have fetishes, yeah. which are part of their sexuality, yeah. and Aiden, I think, is definitely on exploration on this. I don't think he's set in any one place. Yeah. That there are lots of fetishes that are about power and control and yeah. submission and dominance yeah. that have... N- no inclusion of any point of naughty bits to naughty bits. Yeah, it might yeah. be, it, there might be a sexual right. connotation happening or a sexual experience happening right. to one or the other, but not necessarily a mutual sexual experience. Well, you know, take the interaction between Priscilla and Sarah. Right. She was a doctorish person, mm-hmm. like delivering medical care mm-hmm. in a, non-medical care context to Sarah that was overtly sexual, Mm -hmm. spanking her, slapping her tits, fingering her, Mm -hmm. like all the ways. But then she completely disassociated from her, so there was no relatedness. Which is all control. All in the world of control. And all about sadism. And all about sadism. And we see a repeat of that in Sarah's relationship with Aiden, where it's all about dominance and submission. Yeah. And then we see a repeat of that in Wallace and David, where there's a little bit of non-consensual cocksucking that's occurring, mm-hmm. but it comes from a place of desire and and. Um, but I don't want to confuse that. Desire is yeah. great. Yeah, it's super awesome. It's there hot, wasn't consent, right. but consent is an issue. Well, we actually... and what I mean, consent only happens prior to, not yeah. during the throes of, we don't actually or not know. afterwards. We don't actually know whether David and Wallace. We had don't know, and I'm not. I'm not. You know, I'm not attacking the author on this what i'm saying is yeah in this example it would have been easy to say 
Wallace say to David, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I want to stop. I, no, no, I'm not going to, because that's not consent. I want to say your cock. And David goes, please, or something like that. Yeah, there there was a moment, an opportunity there to create consent. And I get that that might be based on the way this is written from personal experience or story that that happens. But again, I want to point out, yes, that happens. That happens a lot in kink and in human, in human sexuality. And what I'm pointing out is it doesn't matter. All of it has to be consensual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting chapter. Lots, I love it, though. I love the chapter. Yeah, there's a lot occurring in the world of cuddling and the world of connection. The, the chapter was called... Hug. Grope hug, right? And so there was some non-consensual groping. There actually was. And Sarah called Aiden on it. She actually did call Aiden on it. But it goes beyond that. Right. And I think the point is that there's a lot of complexity to sexuality. Oh, right. right. Yeah. But consent is key. Consent it's, needs to be key for key. everyone. And yeah. that's the key, I would say, just without putting on this author, but just societal yeah. is that we need people to knee-jerk and say, oh, that's consent, or no, there wasn't consent. We need right. people to be able to just intrinsically feel that that was consent or not consent. We're not there yet. No, we're There's not. people like no, us society. pointing it out yeah, yeah. when society, consent happens or not. Society yeah. hasn't caught up yet. Has not caught up, no. Now, you know, the Me Too movement was very strong because yes. there was never consent, right? And right. so this is a, it's really a, a time for us as, a society to take on consent and sexuality as like a component of sexuality, it not is. like something separate from sexuality. It should never be separate. Yeah. That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching, online domination, or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going, please visit our Patreon website at Lady Petra Playground. You can reach me via email at ladypetraplayground at gmail.com. Our music is composed and performed by Roger Ferguson, who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com. Till next time, cheers! Cheers!